thank you for listening to Waypoint Community Church Podcasts. We hope you enjoy. Got done with first service and I uh, was talking to my wife, Tracy, and she said, you looked really uncomfortable the first service. And I was like, stink, she noticed, right? And then she said, this was really, this was really hurtful, but I could deal with it, right? She said, did you prepare? <laughs> she used the same words. Um, and the thing was, yeah, I actually prepared a lot, but we're doing something different today. And uh, I'm not used to it. Uh, what I'm used to is uh, I prepare really hard and then I get up here and I just go for it. And I've decided that whatever comes out is going to be okay and I'm going to just trust God with that. But we're adding visual cues because I think we're living in a culture that re- really um, benefits from that. And so uh, we're going to add some layers to stuff that we're doing today. And I was so distracted, I could not get comfortable. So um, here's what I would like to do. I'd just like to ask you to pray with me real quick before I get started. Would you do that? Um, God, this is about you. I want people to see you. I want them to hear from you. And so I just ask um, that your presence would be here, that you would bring a sense of calmness, Uh, that I would give my best and I just accept the rest. Um, Be seen in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We we started the service with a pretty big song. We like to do that on Easter, but you might be scratching your head and wondering what in the world does Switchfoot's native tongue song have to do with Easter? And I think it has everything to do with Easter. I think that song just did an incredible job of explaining attention that we see in the world that um, their premise is that our native tongue, the thing that should be natural to us, that should be on the tip of our tongues, should be love. But that for some reason, we're far from that. And if you would look around in the world, I think you would probably have to agree with their assessment of that. They've looked at the world and said, there doesn't seem to be a lot of people responding out of love here. So what's going on? Well, um, we're going to try to answer some of those questions this morning. We're starting a series. This series is only three weeks long. It's really short. And because of that, we're going to actually narrow our focus. Our focus is going to be pretty tight. And you would think if we started on Easter, maybe we'd be talking about something that Jesus did. And boy, there's a lot to talk about based on Easter. He came, the way he lived his life the way he chose to go to the cross as a sacrifice, the fact that he came back to life and offered us new life. All of that stuff is incredible. What I want to do, though, is I want to talk about why he did it. Why did he make that choice? And what I want to try to do is describe what I see in a lot of people's lives. It's in my life. I I think it's in everybody's life, honestly. And, And it's... One of the big reasons, again, there's other reasons, but this is one of the big reasons Jesus chose to come to earth. Now, I'm describing this um, series as the pylon effect. And uh, we created a a pretty cool graphic that's got some cracks in it. And it's to illustrate that the pile that we sometimes put in our lives starts to break us down. 
And there are some people in here that, uh, honestly, you think that's the furthest from your life. You're fine. And the only way you'll see this going on is if you think about it deeply. And I'm hoping over the next three weeks that you will, that you'll have an honest assessment about what's going on in your life. Others, you're sitting here and you're realizing, I see the cracks in my life. I don't know what's exactly going on, but I'm having a hard time bearing under the weight of all of this. I have so many things that I'm juggling right now and I think I'm going to get crushed. And it would be one thing if I were just busy, but it's busy with things that are not going well in my life. And there's a sense of tension with that. And still others uh, look at this and they're like, ah, I just, maybe, maybe, maybe this could describe me, but I kind of doubt it. And you're, you're on the edge. But for you, it may take some examination too. For, for me to fully describe what I think is happening in your life and my life, I've got to go way back. I've got to start telling the story from the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I mean way back. Um, so I want to take you uh, to where God started creating the world. And it says early in the scriptures that God said, let there be light. And when he said that, the stars and the skies spun into being he talked the earth into existence, everything that was on it. He spoke and it leapt. Something came from nothing just by the use of his words. It was that powerful. But then something incredible happened. He came to the creation of mankind. And the scriptures say that instead of speaking, he breathed life into us. Why the difference? Why was it words for everything else but the breath of God into mankind? And there's words, there's some descriptions in the scripture that help us understand that we're a unique creation. That God intended to do something different with us than everything else. And the church talks about this quite a bit because it's foundational, it's central to who we are. Um, and the language that the church uses is we were created in God's image. You'll find it in the scriptures. We're created in God's image. It's loaded with all kinds of meaning. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of things. What does it mean? Well, for one, you were created to be in relationships. It's what God always had in mind for you. You see it early in the scriptures. Adam shouldn't be alone. God chooses to come and walk with them in the garden. Why? Because the core of who we are, there's a relational component that you and I were made to experience. And so it's, it's there. Uh, God instantly created purpose for mankind. He put them to work. And you saw them um, stepping into something that gave value to the world. Instead of just being takers, they were meant to fill in the tapestry of life to be a part of the story that God was telling. And they would do that with the purpose that he gave them. And so each one of you has a purpose for your life. It's, it's in you, designed by God to be there. You can see that we were meant to grow. It's everywhere in the world, everywhere that you look. If things are growing, they're alive. When they stop growing, they start dying or they stagnate and become gross. And it's the same about our own souls God made us to be stretched, to grow, to change, to pursue him, to be different than we are five years later. It's not just that. 
We're given the opportunity. This idea of being created in God's image means you get to represent God in the world. You carry some of his authority to the rest of creation, to the rest of the people that you're around. When you step out of your house in the morning, you represent God to the world. You get to do that. It's a privilege, but it's something that you carry because of who you are. And then the last thing that I would say, man, it means when you were created in God's image, you were created to worship. Everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you think, everything that you do has an opportunity to be an act of worship to God. And when you choose to step into that, it becomes dynamic. Now here's the thing. All of these together, if you woke up in the morning and you had some dynamic relationships and you went to do something that you felt was filled with purpose and you felt that you were being stretched to be better, different, to grow past where you are right now, that, that when you did it, you were representing God in the world and that you believed everything that you did, everything that you said, every thought that you had throughout your day was an act of worship to God. The question I have is, would you feel fulfilled? I, I think you would because this is who God made you to be. Th this is who you are. And when you fulfill those purposes, they beat inside you and they become the driving force that allows you to live who, the life you were always meant to live. God would say it this way. He would say, um, when you're choosing to live based on this paradigm, you're choosing to love God and to love other people first. You'll see this in the scriptures. It's a desire that we would make that choice. And people who make that choice to love God and love others live in a way that dynamically changes the world. And maybe not the whole world, but the world around them for sure. Because that's who you are, at the core of who you are. And so Switchfoot gets it right. Your native tongue is love. It's a love for God. It's a love for other people that drives everything that you do. And when you live that way, a dynamic life is available. So what happened? Because I can tell you, um, that doesn't describe my life all the time. Not even a lot. And when you look around in our world, it doesn't seem to describe our world either. That's because there's more to the story. And the more to the story is, mankind, you and I, chose sin. Now, I, um, there's a lot of people who don't like that word. They feel loaded with a lot of guilt and shame. I don't care what word you use to describe it. I just want you to understand that the thought behind it, the idea is that when you were choosing to live a life motivated with a love for God, you were making wise choices. But when you allow sin to enter in, the choices start to be about what's best for you, what's best for me. You elevate yourself, self-protection, self-preservation, the big I. I'm what's important. I watch out for me. I take care of myself. 
And sometimes it just looks like you attempting to control things because you believe that you'd be better at it than God would be. And that's the point. At some point, you've decided, I'm better at this than God. God won't protect me. I've got to protect myself. And I takes over, and it makes a mess of your life. In fact, here's what happens. It starts to uh, get into the core of who you are. This is what sin does. And left unchecked, it acts like a slow-moving poison that starts to corrupt the very things that you were meant to experience in life in the first place that were good. Starts to mess with your relationships. Starts to mess with your sense of purpose in life. It starts to stagnate you. You lose a desire to represent God in the world. Or you think to yourself, look at the mess of my life. I couldn't possibly represent God. And you give up on that dream. You give up on trying to worship And before you know it, this person that you were meant to be has started to be corrupted, and it holds you from the inside out, and it messes with you. Now, I I want you to see this because this is just true. Scriptures are just trying to tell us what's true. In Romans chapter 3, 23, it says, for all, every one of you, every one of us, I'm in this too, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That level of perfection, of living a life out of love for God and love for others, we fall short of that. We choose us. And it's just an admission. It's just what's true. That eventually when that happens, it will spread and contaminate the stuff that really matters in your life. Uh, three weeks ago, Tracy and I were having an argument. We do that sometimes. It wasn't, it wasn't anything to write to anybody about. It was just normal stuff. When all of a sudden, I reacted um, with such anger that I haven't seen in years in my life. And I had to go back, and I apologize really quickly because it's really far from what I want to be and who I want to be. But there it was, present. In my life, it was a choice that I had made, and, and it came out, and it almost immediately started to disrupt a relationship that was important to me. This is what sin does. It has this effect of messing up the stuff in our lives. Now, here's the thing. It's more complicated than that, because some of the sin that messes with your life doesn't start with you. It, do, it doesn't, it doesn't um, begin with you. I just want to be real careful and make sure you understand. You made a choice. It is always going to be about a choice that you choose. God gives you that freedom. It's one of his gifts. You made a choice, and that choice starts to um, put I at the center, and then it corrupts everything that's going on. It starts messing with your Starts messing with everything, okay? But not in all cases does the choice simply start with you. On occasion, what happens is there's sin in somebody else's life. They've made a bad choice. They did something wrong. And they simply do it to you. Like, 
You didn't want that. You didn't ask for that. You weren't seeking it out. But they spilled their caustic words onto your life. They abused you. They took advantage of you. They betrayed you. They looked you in the face and they lied. And it was somebody that you trusted. Now, I don't know why we think this won't happen. Jesus is talking to a group of spiritual leaders. These, these guys are spiritual leaders, but their hearts are so far from God that they have a different native tongue that they've now adopted. Love is so far from them, they're speaking something else. And this is what he says to them. This is in John 8, 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. There are people in our world who like to do terrible things, and they don't care about it at all. And this is what the scripture says later on in that verse. When he lies, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he's the liar and the father of lies. We live in a world that's been messed up by a lot of sin. To expect that you can live in it without some of that spilling into your life is unrealistic. It's going to. It's coming your way. The question is, what do you do when that happens? Because this is where sin starts to act as a lure. It just kind of, you, you haven't done anything wrong. They wronged you. But this is what happens. Somebody uses unkind words to you, and there it is. It's dangling right there. And the thought in your mind is, they've earned some unkind words back. I'm going to get them. Right? Somebody betrays you, and the lure is there. I'm going to be bitter about what they did, and I'm going to make them pay over a long period of time. And I'm justified in the bitterness that I hold right now. And our response, the choice that we make to the junk that rolls into our lives, is just as important as the decision that we make on our own when we choose to sin. Because both of them have the same effect. You make a bad decision, like I did, and I spew out some anger with my wife, it starts to harm the relationship. Somebody does that to you, and your response is to return it back, you've just agreed, yeah, let's trash this relationship. You want to mess with me? I'll mess with you. And immediately... It starts to undermine all of this stuff. Who you were meant to be was at stake. Junk rolls into your life, and you had an opportunity to return love, and instead, you returned junk. And now, you've got a mess. This is where it gets interesting, by the way. Um, I would note, you should be real careful right here. Because I've talked to some people who are convinced that most of the problem with sin in their life is from other people. If they just wouldn't have, if they wouldn't have said, if they wouldn't have done, if they wouldn't, then I wouldn't have had to. <laughs> oh, there it is. No. There's always going to be sin that rolls into your life. We are not the innocent flowers we would like to portray. We make a choice. We make a choice in how we respond. We make a choice in what we think 
in what we say and the attitudes that we have in response to all of those terrible things. And we're just going to have to accept that really it does come down to choices that we have made in our lives that have opened up our heart to sin that starts to corrupt the very person that God wanted you to live as. Now there's, there's another way that sin enters our lives. Um, we live in a corrupted world. It's been touched by sin, so the values that this world holds are not God's. You're going to bump into those all the time. You're going to be tempted all the time. We live in a world that's been touched by death. Sin had that effect, and so none of us are going to escape it. We're going to have to face the pain of all of that, and there's nothing we can do about that. Our choices in the midst of that are important, but nothing we can do. So here's the problem. From what I can tell... I've watched, I've watched um, people, including myself, have experiences where they've made bad choices and people have rolled stuff into their life and made bad choices back at those. And something goes off on the inside of your mind that something's not right. I've been wronged, I've been hurt, I've made a bad choice, I'm embarrassed by it. And you have an opportunity at that time to deal with that problem the way God wants to deal with it. Um, God's whole desire in sending Jesus was he knew you were going to mess up and he had chosen a way to fix it for you. You couldn't fix it yourself. But we opt for plan B. And we tell ourselves, I think I can take care of this on my own think I can fix this. I think I can find a way to deal with this. And the reason it's off is because you've introduced some poison into your heart. It's slowly seeping in. It's slowly taking over. It's slowly killing you, and you're figuring this out. But you made a bad choice when you decided to fix it on your own. Because from what I can see, what happens is that we start to make some choices about how we're going to do that. By the way, not all the choices are bad. The only thing that makes them bad choices is the motive that you have. The motive um, is enough to take this thing that's really great and to make it something that's terrible. So the motive that I'm looking for is if you've decided to make that decision so that you can fix the problem instead of God, you've, you've made a bad choice. But it might look like this. You know something's wrong at the core of who you are, so you begin to pile on some other things. Again, these aren't wrong. You pile on activity. You pile on family interactions. You pile on more work. None of those are wrong. They're okay. Unless you're creating a pile to distract you from what you have to deal with that's wrong at the core of who you are, then it's messed up. But for some people that sense of poison at the core of who they are is so significant that they go to deaden it with anything that they can find. Drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, honestly, could be anything. Others choose, others choose perfection. Like, I know I did wrong. It's eating away at me. So my choice to fix this from now on is I'm going to be perfect. 
And every time you fail, you double down on being more perfect, and you carry the weight of that, and it's crushing you. Over and over, we make a choice that says, I'm going to carry this. I'm going to take this. I'm going to fix this. And you've added pile upon pile to your life. And for a little while, it may actually cause you to think that you're okay. So one of the things that people pile on, I've seen this a lot, is people will tell themselves, time heals all wounds. I just got to give it enough time. I've got to create a big enough, time, big enough pile, give myself enough time, and the thing that was eating me away will go away. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go away. It just gets covered up. And unfortunately, this is what happens instead. That thing that you kept at the core of who you are and just piled stuff on top of, it starts to seep out its poison into the pile that you made. And all of a sudden, things start to erupt in your life. You have an outburst, an emotional outburst, and you don't know where that came from. You... You respond in a way with a thought that you have, what, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. There was something at the core of your heart that you never dealt with. All you did was pile on top. And given enough time, it's starting to seep through and mess with all the stuff in your life. It comes out in cracks. And the people around you see it too. They don't know exactly what's going on. But here's what's happened. You've created a pile to avoid dealing with a thing that you needed to deal with God's way. And now it's messing with your life. You know what's funny? Sometimes when that happens, people double down. And they go with a bigger pile. Like they're going to do even more. They're going to be more perfect. They're going to have more activity. They're going to get more distracted. And they build a bigger pile. But it's not going away. And it will just bleed into everything that you have. And you will have a huge mess on your hands. And from what I can tell, each of us ends up with a mess on our hands. A pile of junk because we made the decision to fix this stuff our way and not God's way. Now, here's what's important. I want you to hear this. This is in Luke uh, chapter 19, verse 10. It says, I've come to seek and save the lost. This is Jesus directly talking about the mission that he had. His goal was to step into your life Look at you and say, I can take that pile. But you're going to have to choose to give it to me. I went to the cross for that. I died. I buried sin. I'd like to bury yours. But it's only going to happen if you do it my way, which is to trust me to take it from you, to remove it from your life, so that you can finally return to the person I always meant for you to be. A person who would live out of a motivation to love God and love other people instead of protecting yourself, elevating yourself, caring about yourself. I want you to be about something bigger than you, my kingdom. And the only way you'll experience that is if you give me 
your pile, the whole thing. I want it all. Honestly, it's a little unbelievable if you think about it. If you were to ask me why, what motivated God to come back, and all I could tell you is his love because it doesn't make sense to me why he would make that kind of sacrifice for somebody like me. Don't get it. But I'll tell you what he wanted to accomplish in that. He wanted to free my life so I could return to the person that I was meant to be. And he wants to do the same thing for you. And this morning, if you haven't done that yet, I want to ask you to consider a simple question. Do you want to live with that pile for the rest of your life? Where is it getting you? What's it, what's it really accomplishing? So you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to look at Jesus this morning and say, I'm done carrying it. I've done a lot of wrong. I own all of this. But I want, I want to give it up. I'll give it to you. If you want my pile, you can have it. I'm in. I'll follow you. I'll do it your way. I'll live for your kingdom. And it gives you an opportunity to return back to the person that lived the way God intended you to live. A dynamic, fulfilled life. Some of you some of you are followers of Jesus and you let God take your pile a while ago but you kept a few things for yourself. A few things that you thought you'd clean up, take care of, carry on your own. And it's wearing you out right now. You were never intended to carry this stuff. And when you Store it at the core of who you are. It will corrupt. It will corrupt places that you do not see coming because it starts in one place. Because it's a slow-moving poison, it will move through your life and it will mess up all kinds of things. And the only opportunity you have is to return back to that God who forgave you and say, I didn't trust you with this, but I'm going to now. I'm sorry. Here it is. He came to take your pile, the whole thing. He loves you that much. Will you let him? Will you let him unburden you of the stuff that's weighing down your life and cracking your soul right now? I'm going to give you just a minute, not that long, but would you just quietly put your head down? You can close your eyes. And I want to give um, the Holy Spirit just an opportunity to speak with you. Like if, if you're carrying stuff and you could give it up, will you listen to what he has to say? If you're a follower of Jesus and you'd held some things back, maybe it's time this morning when we're celebrating the incredible gift of life that God offered to us, it, maybe it's time for you to return back to the full life that God meant for you. What's he saying to you this morning?
God, we so rarely have silence that sometimes your voice gets squeezed out. And part of the reason it's squeezed out is because we're carrying such a pile of junk in our lives that it's been hard to hear your voice. God, there are people here this morning who are ready to give up the pile. They're done. It's exhausting them. They've been trying to fix it on their own for a while. They know something's not right, and I just ask that they would have the courage to look at you and say, I'm done. I'm done carrying it. I'm done trying to fix this on my own. I accept your gift to take the pile off of my life and to help me to live, to really live. God, there are followers of yours here that somebody wounded them and their response back wasn't healthy and they've been unable to let that go and I just ask that you would meet with them right now. Tell them it's time to move on. This was not who they were meant to be. I ask that you would unburden them from that. Allow them to return to the life they were meant to live. God, it's a dynamic, exciting life filled with meaning and purpose, to have relationships, to have a purpose, to grow, to represent you in the world and to worship. This is what we we're meant for, and I ask you would call us back to that kind of life. May it, this dynamic living change who we are. Love you. So grateful for why you came. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad you're able to experience what's happening here at Waypoint Community Church through our podcast. Our prayer is that these resources are a blessing to you. Please be sure to catch us again next time.